Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Emily. And this is our podcast, What Makes. Today we're going to talk about what makes good art. Feeling something makes good art. I think that what makes good art are the tastemakers who decide what good art is. And that it's not actually in the art object itself. It's in how people react to and frame it. Right? Like the value comes from critics or people that we trust as authorities ascribing meaning and value to it as much as, if not more, than the art itself. Something that makes me think and like stimulates my mind. Making shit like stumbling it. Mm-hmm. and make it in the lines. Um, expressing um, old and familiar ideas through uh, new eyes, through different concepts, through a metaphor or an analogy that um, hasn't been thought of before or is, isn't very common. It's truth. Good art awakes in someone else a truer part of life than they may have in reality. Why are we talking about this? (laughs) Well, I think, well, it's pertinent to us because we ultimately are artists and we make our life's work either being artists or cultivating artistry in students. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's it's very important and immediately impactful on our lives. Yeah. Why do you think we're talking about this? Um, because I think we're getting away from art more and more as a culture. That's not as important to us. And so I think it's important to have the discussion around it so that we can talk about why it's important well we should start maybe talking about what maybe a loose definition of what art is and maybe comparing that to entertainment yeah this is actually something i love to do in my class that i teach at wichita state um we do a whole two weeks i'm a big hoity-toity professor yeah that's dr hoity-toity professor (laughs) i'm kind of a big deal um So I'm interested to hear, like, what do you think art is? I think art is something that makes people think. And it has an element of openness so that it can be perceived somewhat differently to each viewer, be it a painting or, you know, a stage performance or a dance. Um... Yeah, I think with um, with technique and skill behind what is being offered. Yeah, the technique and skill thing is interesting to me because I think of pieces of art that I totally consider art that maybe didn't take a lot of technique to create. Not to say that the person didn't have technique, but like I think about like John Cage's 433. Yeah. Like, that doesn't take any Maybe it's not technique. Maybe that's not the right word. Maybe the right word is more of, like, a voice. But something that's intentional. Like, John Cage 
composed that to be provocative, right? Mm-hmm. And that was his intent, which was to kind of have the audience look at themselves and see. Maybe we should explain what 4 minutes and 33 seconds. Right. So, yeah, if you're not aware of this piece... Um, it's a work by American composer John Cage. It was written sometime in the 50s. And basically, uh, it's for any instrumentation, but the first time it was performed, it was done on piano. And the pianist sat down and sat in silence for four minutes and 33 seconds. It was done with the stopwatch. There are three movements, but it's all silence. And it was really meant as a, um, a statement for Cage about how we lose sight of the music that happens around us in our world, um, the concert hall, you know, we, the audience, expect to have the transaction be the musician plays for us. But Cage is sort of saying, well, I think there's music in our everyday lives that we miss out on because we're too focused on other things. Right. So there was an intent behind his composition and perhaps not a whole lot of technique. So maybe I should say that I think art says something and in turn asks the people participating in it or ask the people who whom it's presented to to come to some kind of conclusion or to come to their own Mm -hmm. and so and actually so i would say too i think i do think the composers and artists need technique but it doesn't necessarily take technique to create a piece of art but had cage not had like the previous technique he had developed I don't know if he would have come upon that piece. Yeah, that's true. So. And I think art is different from entertainment in that if I want to go watch a movie and just be entertained, I look at it as, you know, 90 minutes for me not to have to think. Whereas opposed, if I went to see an art piece or an art film, I would expect to be more emotionally invested in that. Hmm. So first off, what movies are you watching that are only 90 minutes? Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> They're all like seven hours. <laughs> So then, well, let me ask you this, because this is what I like. This is a game I like to play with my students. So a documentary forces you to think about the subject at hand. Would you call a documentary art? Yes, absolutely. I would. Interesting. By the definition I gave. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I think art, my definition of art is that um, every time you experience it, you can think about it in a different way. Like it's, it's deep on many levels so that every time you experience that piece of art, you might walk away with something different from it. And entertainment for me is more pure surface. Um, And I would also say the intent is really important. Like I think art is created with the intent to stimulate ideas and conversation. And entertainment is created with the intent to make money. Like that's its pure. So we're basically saying the same thing. I think so. So then... um, So maybe perhaps in this culture, art is starting to disappear because we as a culture are becoming lazier. Because art takes a real commitment from the observer. Yeah. And maybe we are in a place as a society where we work really hard. We work long hours, long weeks. And in our off time, we don't want to be thinking. (laughs) We just want to watch football or we want to go see... Avengers. Avengers. Or comedies or something that... And not that comedies can't be artful, too. So do you think that there are places where art and entertainment blend? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. What would be... What could... 
Well, I think of like the Beatles, like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band or the White Album. Mm-hmm. Like that's art to me and it's entertainment. So by your definition of art, what does what do those albums, how do they challenge you or how do they make you think? Um, or, or is it that you go back and listen and hear different layers every time you listen? Yeah, every time I go back and listen to that, something new catches my ear mm-hmm. that I hadn't realized was happening before. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, there are certain things that at the time... Like, had I experienced that album and its history, like, when it happened, I think it would have forced me to hear rock and roll music in a totally different way up to that point. Mm-hmm. So. So, I guess then we can kind of go into what makes art, what is good art and what is bad art. Yeah, that's really hard for me. Um, I, I think maybe the argument could be that if if something is created with the intent of being art... That on some level, it's good because anybody could find value in it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we've definitely both experienced bad art that wasn't just quite successful. Yeah, so... Maybe it's not a clear vision or a clear statement of what the artist wants to say. It's muddled. Or is it lack of technique to back up the intent? Mm Mm-hmm. Like the execution doesn't meet up to the message or whatever yeah i think that that's a good point that's part of it and i think there's also this um weird and at least in music there's the dichotomy because you have a performer who is an artist making art but they're also realizing somebody else's art and so for instance if um well you're thinking about classical music yeah yeah i'm thinking about classical music but if uh, um i don't know if a singer sings Queen of the Night, mm-hmm. and goes all Florence Foster Jenkins on it, like she. Well, is... we haven't seen the movie yet, the Florence Foster Jenkins movie. That's true. But I, from what I'm hearing from the reviews, is that some it it could be argued that what she did was art. Okay. I don't know. We have to see the movie, <laughs> or maybe it's more that just like the message is like her love. Okay, hold on. Let, let, I don't want to get down a, a sidetrack. You brought it up. I know, I okay. know. But like, let's say when you hear a freshman soprano sing Mozart's Queen of the Night, and granted there are some freshmen who might be able to pull it off, but most wouldn't have the technique to pull it off. So they are artists who are creating bad art, but they're realizing someone else's art that is good art. Well, I kind of agree with you. However, if I hear someone do something that is not technically perfect but says something like if they give a very compelling performance and i'm thinking just of like singers or actors mm-hmm. or whatever then then i am moved and i think a prime example of that would be jeff buckley's recording singing of when i am laid from dido and Aeneas. Mm-hmm. now that aria is meant for a woman to sing and he's not a woman, but he sings it, and it is one of the most compelling things I've ever heard. In fact, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. But he's not an opera singer by any stretch of the imagination. But there's something about that to me that is just so artful. But he doesn't have the technique to back it up, but it's still as successful to me as an artist, you know, mm-hmm. as a piece of art. Right, because it challenges some perception, maybe, some preconceived notion. It's unexpected, notion. yeah. It's, it's and it's beautiful because he had a vision for what 
how he wanted to present that aria. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, I think that's for me one of the things that I love about good art. I guess maybe that's what I... Good art is unexpected. Yeah. Like it's when I sit down... Maybe what makes bad art is when someone doesn't have a clear vision of what they're trying to say. Like if Jeff Buckley sang that and he was kind of like feeling insecure about singing a woman's aria and recording it and I think his his performance would reflect that and it probably wouldn't be that good. I probably wouldn't love it as much. Maybe. It's hard to speculate. Mm-hmm. What's one piece of art that you love? It could be musical. It could be... Mm. Another one comes to my mind is when we were on our honeymoon and we went to our, London. Our wedding night. That was art. <laughs> that was pure art. <laughs> <laughs> but after that... <laughs> <laughs> When we went to the Saatchi Art Museum, I think it's since closed. No, I think Saatchi is still open. Is it? But Maybe, we went, and do you remember, we went to this this room, and it had a pathway in it. Mm-hmm. And it just looked like there was a pathway, like a metal pathway with, with walls, sort of. And it That just, came up to your, like, your waist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just walked in, and it just looked like an empty room. Well, it looked like the room was being reflected. It looked right, like, you know, right. sort of like a mirror. And there was like a weird smell. Yeah. And then you walk out and all of a sudden we realized that the entire room is filled with motor oil. Yeah. And that we were we were surrounded by motor oil. And that moment, it was just astounding. I will tell you how great that piece of art is. That I actually still think about that piece of art on yeah, a regular basis. Like 13 years later, yeah. that's still one that strikes with me. Yeah. And I think too, like we watched that documentary last night about the chef... What's his name? Uh, Grant Ashots, or I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah, and his whole restaurant with like bringing out sugar balloons that are actually floating in the air. Like to me, that's art. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. The great art for me is the art that like in that moment changed the way I thought about something forever. Yeah. Like great art, not even good art, but like great art. Like so for me. Like one of those really important pivotal moments was Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. Right. Because the first time I heard that, I was in high school. I had no experience with classical music. I was a freshman. I had no experience with classical music. I was really had grown up listening to rock music. My favorite band was and still is Nirvana. Um, and when I heard Rite of Spring, which was like the first real piece of classical music that I had ever picked on my own to listen to, it like changed my mind about what classical music could be. Because it sounded like rock music just with an orchestra. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great piece of art. So I guess, why do you think, you said something at the beginning, you think our society is, what did you say? I don't think they value art anymore. Why do you think that is? Because honestly, I think about like paintings from, you know, the 1800s or something, or the 1700s, and that like doesn't do it for me. But it's not, it doesn't mean it's not art, and it doesn't mean that it's not good art. I think basically what it means is that I don't understand the context of that time period in which it was painted, because it's probably true, aside from all the portraits of all the, you know, kings and queens, that those paintings were actually saying something. 
and were a commentary on the culture at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's my bad that I don't recognize it as art because I am not educated in that the context of those paintings. Right. So do you so think it's people not... today are just not living as well-rounded, educated lives in terms of education of the of um, the humanities and? Yeah. So I think that at its core, good art or great art challenges you. And I think that society today, especially in America, and I'm ta- I guess I'm talking about American society mostly, they do not want to be challenged. You, everyone has sort of like they draw their line in the sand of what they believe and they don't want to that's really general it is but i think it's really true like think about it think about our media system like if i'm conservative i'm gonna watch fox news i'm gonna read the daily caller i'm gonna read the washington uh, or the wall street journal and if I'm a Democrat, I'm going to watch MSNBC. Or I'm going to read Huffington Post. I'm going to read the New York Times. Like, I have a media that's catered to my viewpoints and thoughts. And I don't have to experience another viewpoint or thought. And just think about your Facebook feeds. Like, it's people posting their thoughts on these ideas. And if you don't, most people either agree with it and they like it and they engage in it. Or they just sort of skim over and go, well, this is another, like, oh, that's just Alex being a liberal so-and-so. So basically, something I'm hearing, some common thread in what you're saying, is that we, in this day and age more than before, we are able to isolate ourselves and surround ourselves with like-minded people so that we don't ever have to see the other side. That's exactly right. So then that pertains to art. Because here's why. I'll tell you. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, but um, It pertains to art because at the end of the day, good art not only challenges you, but it makes you empathetic about other people. Oh, our favorite word. Yeah. And, and people, I think in general, would like to believe that they are empathetic, but they aren't really interested in the act of empathy. And art is challenging. Mm-hmm. And it challenges us to to think about things that aren't easy to think about. And to see viewpoints that we wouldn't normally um, think about. And, you know, ideally, it's going to open up our our world. So it opens up your your ideas. It challenges, challenges you and also points out hypocrisy, I think, sometimes. So, like, the really famous one was um, this piece of art called Piss Christ. Do you know that one? No. Um, the artist is this Cuban artist. Andreas Serrano? Yes, Andreas Serrano. So Piss Christ by Andreas Serrano. And he took a crucifix, put it in a jar, which over time he filled with urine. And then he backlit it with some colors and took a photo of it. And then he blew up the photo. And religious groups from around the country protested it. They were angry about it. Uh, Rudy Giuliani staged a protest over it, calling it, you know, um, blasphemous. blasphemous and that it wasn't art. Well, it turns out that um, Serrano, the artist, is actually Catholic. And he did it because he wanted to make a statement which which he thought was that Catholics in this day and age 
are more concerned about a false idol, the image, you know, the a crucifix, which in itself is just a piece of wood, than actually they're more offended by that and someone pissing on their idol than actually living the tenets of Christ and mm-hmm. taking care of the poor. Mm-hmm. They're not offended that we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So like that's a really challenging statement. Mm-hmm. And when you like open yourself up to experiencing that, you may your look at yourself differently. World, yeah, your whole world gets flipped upside down, which, which is a pe- really sca- scary place to be. Right, which people don't typically like. Yeah. So for us as artists, what does that mean? How do we, how do we bring culture towards society, and how do we, do we, do we do we uh, keep advocating for that? And how do we as artists continue to make art and and get people to participate in it? Mm-hmm. So one thing that I think um, we could do more for as um, the curators of art, so conductors, gallery owners, producers, producers, is to focus more on contemporary art. Because I think your Why? point is really that you made earlier was really valid. Like, art is about the context of the society in which you mm-hmm. live. So if you're only experiencing the art of dead people, you're not experiencing the culture that you. Hot know. damn! We just solved the whole symphony opera company issue. Uh, I've been. This is not just. I mean, this is. <laughs> Well, that's how you felt because you're a composer. No one's doing your music, but like we've got hard science now. <laughs> We're hard hitting journalists. Okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've said the thing that a lot of us are already saying, but yeah, I mean, we. I think that's one aspect of it, and I think people are afraid to do modern art because they're afraid it's going to drive customers away. But I actually think a well, lot. If you want to build a new audience for art, you've got to meet people where they're at with. So maybe what you have to do is start with some things that they already know, and then you can make challenges to that. Maybe. But if you're starting with something that they don't know. I don't know. I'm more. I'm way more likely. So I'm going to take us out of the realm of music because you and I are both musicians. Right. So if we go to art, I do not enjoy going to an art museum. It's just not my thing. But I will spend so much more time in an art gallery if it's modern contemporary art. Right. And I think that's because I it's it's meeting me where I'm at of doing art within the context of the world that I live in now as opposed to me having to figure out the context of these painting old paintings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's interesting. Well, cuz you talk about giving them something they know. Yeah. I think if you're talking about art, I'm a fan of just throwing them in the deep end. Like making my making people experience something they've never experienced before. Which I think is fun because they have a fresh perspective. Like they have, they they are pure and unsullied. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. But maybe, yeah. But anyway, so curators have a responsibility, and then and then I think um, artists have a responsibility, which is to um, how do I put this? I think they need to sweat and labor over their art. So that their message is as clear as possible. 
Artists have a responsibility to say something. Yes. Yeah. Because what's the point? Exactly. Um, and I also think that artists have a responsibility to engage their community. I think that's one of the problems, too, is that um, curators and artists, the, it, this is a really broad brush because I know a lot of people who don't do this, but they sit in the back or they, they, they find their little pocket where they're going to present art and they expect people to come to them. And I think artists are better served when they go out into the community. Mm-hmm. And, and engage, I mean, in really unusual ways. So I think we need to be better at bringing the art into our communities and also advocating for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you know what would be easier to do that is if it was supported by the government. Because as an artist, you think, well, how am I going to get paid if I just go sing in the subway? Right. Or if I... But if the government... St- Subsidized up, it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, cool. Well, that's what we think makes good art. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's our episode for this week. Special thanks to DeAndre, Kelly, Kristen, Ruby, Peter, Christine, and Dorothy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.